Hey there, before we get started, I just wanted to let you know about an upcoming CrossCut event that I think you might be interested in. On April 29th, Michael Barbaro, host of The Daily, that wildly popular podcast from the New York Times, will be keynote speaker at the Headliners Gala, the live in-person event that kicks off this year's CrossCut Ideas Festival in Seattle. The gala, in case you're wondering, benefits KCTS 9 and CrossCut. Learn more and get tickets at crosscut.com slash gala. This is CrossCut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. Today, we take a moment to take stock of a post-pandemic downtown Seattle. Downtown Seattle is still trying to bounce back from the height of the pandemic. CrossCut City reporter Josh Cohen recently spoke with city leaders, urban planners, real estate professionals, business owners, workers, and even CrossCut readers to get a sense of not only what the impact of these past few years have been on the city's central business district, but what its future could look like. Remote work, for instance, is probably here to stay. So it's unlikely downtown offices will ever be filled to capacity again. So what does that mean? For the economy, for small businesses, for public safety, for the whole purpose of the downtown core? Given that some things are just not going back to the way they were before, what could the city envision instead? So uh, do you want to just introduce yourself and uh, what you cover for CrossCut? Yeah, my name is Josh Cohen. My title is City Reporter. And as the title indicates, I cover the city of Seattle, both sort of city hall politics and uh, just the issues shaping the city, whether the affordable housing crisis, the homelessness crisis, transportation. It's, It's a broad beat. For sure. The city. The city. And before, I understand before you were city reporter, you covered a slightly different and yet overlapping beat in some ways. It was called the Changing Region Reporter for CrossCut, right? Yeah, yeah. This is my second stint working for CrossCut. And in 2018 and 2019, I was covering the Changing Region, sort of the idea. Uh, We had this explosive growth in Seattle and the Puget Sound region. It might not surprise you to learn the U.S. Census Bureau says Seattle has topped Austin, Texas to become the nation's fastest growing big city. Sort of tracking, again, a lot of affordable housing, a lot of homelessness, transportation, sort of how the city and the region was grappling with the enormous demand on living here created by the tech boom and all the secondary industries popping up around that and just sort of, uh, yeah, thinking about what it is to be a city in a region that won't stop growing. Look up. It's the latest sign of Seattle's exploding growth. Exactly. And it's interesting to think about that now because, of course, we're still feeling so many of those pressures. Many of those pressures have not stopped. But 2018, 2019 were kind of a specific time because they sort of preceded a whole period of time that we could not have foreseen. And I was just curious, do you recall what people were talking about in terms of what they wanted downtown to be or what they envisioned downtown could be? Yeah, I feel like there wasn't sort of a reimagining of downtown necessarily at the time. I think, you know, nobody could have predicted the pandemic and the hollowing out of downtown and sort of the need for a reimagining. But yeah, even three, four years ago, There was just a massive construction boom downtown, lots of new office towers, lots of new, big, shiny apartment buildings. If you go just a few years uh, earlier than that, sort of the total reinvention of South Lake Union and Westlake as, you know, 
Amazon and Facebook and Google and all of that, all of those new office towers and apartment buildings that were built up around the office towers uh, were constructed. And so, yeah, it was not that many years ago that sort of the vision of downtown was explosive growth, tons of new residents, lots of money. And uh, yeah, how, how quickly the pandemic changed those things. Major cities across the country are looking more like ghost towns. This is what rush hour looks like in central Seattle these days. I'm not seeing a whole lot of rushing going on, so we're standing over I-90 here. Speaking of which, I mean, so recently you did some digging into downtown Seattle in this kind of new era, which is sort of fast forward to 2023, post the height of the pandemic, you know, to take a look at taking stock of where we are now, which is something like recovery. What kind of launched you on this particular journey of, of reporting on this now, in this moment? I feel like for... Many months now, kind of as we're coming out of, I guess it was the Omicron wave last year, about a year ago now, um, and people starting to come back to the office, but it being very clear pretty quickly that like the white collar workforce and especially the tech workforce was not going to be back in the office five days a week or maybe even, you know, I think a year ago, almost nobody was back in the office even once or twice a week. My thoughts sort of immediately went to like, downtown is built around the five-day office week. It's an economy that depends on having people down there. And so, yeah, I, I just sort of was very personally curious, like, what happens to a downtown if it doesn't have its workforce? So, yeah, you started thinking about this like a year ago. Yeah, there was sort of like a, a wait and see there for a minute, like as we're coming out of the last serious wave, like maybe maybe we do just return to normal as we sort of exit the pandemic. But, you know, one, we haven't fully exited the pandemic. And two, it became quite clear in Seattle that that wasn't going to be the case or, you know, in a lot of West Coast cities with a big tech presence. San Francisco has the sort of dubious honor of having the least return to office of any North American city. Seems no place in the Bay Area has suffered more from remote working than San Francisco. Seattle is uh, 56th out of 62, according to one academic study by the University of Toronto and University of California, Berkeley, that's been tracking this. Researchers looked at smartphone data to see how many people visited points of interest, like restaurants and stores, and they found the activity level in downtown is 52% of what it was before the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, and so I think, at least when it comes to white-collar office workers, we're just probably not going to see those people coming back to the office. Um, that's just probably not going to happen. That's just probably one of those things that has changed for good, probably. Yeah, I would say... From the mayor to the head of the Chamber of Commerce to the head of DSA to city council members, nobody, when I was reporting this story, had faith that we were going to see people back five days a week in the office. I think there is a lot of hope and a lot of fingers crossing and even some movement towards people coming back to the office. You know, Amazon putting its foot down and saying employees have to be back in the office three days a week starting May 1. The Downtown Seattle Association is hopeful a new announcement from Amazon will bring more foot traffic. Starting May 1st, Amazon will require employees to return to work in person at least three days a week. <laughs> I think there's a lot of uh, powers that be in the sort of downtown political business sphere who are very excited that Amazon has done that and are hoping that other companies follow suit. I actually just went to 
the Downtown Seattle Association's annual State of Downtown event uh, last week. And that was very much the energy in the room was, you know, look at what Amazon has done. And uh, it's not my job to sort of tell you what to do with your employees, but uh, (laughs) I hope that you follow suit, basically, was the message. So this is a question that a lot of cities all across the country are really asking themselves right now, which is, what are we if if not this? And Seattle is uh, among those cities that is really asking itself this question in a big way. I mean, it seems clear that, you know, city leaders, developers, people thinking about these things, making decisions, um, are really trying to figure out what, therefore can we do instead to bring people downtown? There's a lot of energy right now in thinking about how do we get people to live downtown? How do we make it into a place where people live and not just go to work and they're there from 8 to 6 and then leave? I think there's a hope that if you give people places to live, apartment buildings, condo buildings, downtown, if you provide more amenities like parks and open space and neighborhoody restaurants and grocery stores and more bodegas and whatever haircutting places and things that people need in their sort of day-to-day neighborhood life. Also sort of some discussion of whether or not we need an elementary school downtown. You know, if families are going to live downtown, you have to have a place for their children to go. Um, Yeah, you can sort of re-envision this large business-focused neighborhood as a place where, you know, more people live. Mm-hmm. Are there plans that you you feel like you really stumble across that seem like they are somewhat imminent, things that feel this might really happen uh, for downtown? Yeah, I think I think we're still kind of waiting for the really concrete things. Like the, the mayor is putting together sort of like a, a downtown revitalization plan, and it has not been released yet. It's supposed to come out this spring. The mayor has talked about, the the head of the Downtown Seattle Association has talked about, you know, the sort of things they want to see is like sort of cutting red tape for opening businesses. They want to make it easier for somebody to get the permits they need to, you know, open their new uh, new clothing store or uh, salon or whatever else, new restaurant, and really fill those open, vacant ground floor retail spaces. I think... You know, the the mayor is uh, into the idea of office to residential or just generally getting people to move downtown. Um, so there's some talk about is there other sort of red tape they can cut. Uh, design review reform is something that the mayor has talked about taking on. And so, yeah, there are sort of ways to cut red tape around apartment construction that could be really productive and could help just like get more ground up housing built downtown, which would be, you know, in service of the goal of getting more people to live there. Mm-hmm. I mean, another thing that comes up in, in the conversation about downtown, and certainly you did a lot of reporting on, is the idea of public safety. I mean, something that happens when you have uh, fewer people in an urban area sometimes is a rise in crime or a rise in the perception of crime. And, you know, the conversation about public safety is just a really big one uh, during the pandemic. They say some blocks have been taken over by shoplifting and drug trafficking operations while nearby businesses are spending a fortune on private security. Yeah, I think literally every person I interviewed for this article pointed to public safety as an area of concern or a barrier to sort of downtown recovery. Again, whether 
it's people's real fears or just their perception that it's unsafe to be downtown. It sort of doesn't matter. Like if you're if you're afraid of the idea of going downtown, you're not going to come downtown. Parts of Pike and Pine are at best unwelcoming. At worst, it's dangerous. We have this sort of area in the heart of downtown. The exact center of it has sort of shuffled around, but it's basically, you know, from Pike Place Market to Westlake Plaza, often on Third. It's existed for decades in various iterations, whether it was sort of public drunkenness or sex work, later sort of an open-air drug market. It has continued in its current iteration. There is a lot of open-air drug sale, drug use, sort of uh, people selling stolen goods. No one out there thinks it's a good thing. Uh, Sort of the idea of what to do about it varies wildly um, from the sort of law and order, we just need to throw everybody in jail, to people who are like, we've tried that for decades and uh, we're just sort of perpetuating this cycle. So yeah, there's, there's, I would say there's a lot of new energy being devoted to Third and Pike. Today, the Downtown Seattle Association announced a new safety strategy called the Third Avenue Project. Yeah, and I, I wonder if you could talk about that. There's this kind of new effort to solve a very old problem in that very specific area. There's a new group operating under the banner, the Third Avenue Project. It includes the Public Defender Association, which does a lot of sort of pre-arrest diversion work, trying to keep people out of the criminal legal system for low-level offenses. And, and they've been doing that for years in Seattle. And there's homeless outreach groups like REACH, which, again, has been operating for decades in Seattle and doing sort of frontline outreach with people on the street. There's a group called We Deliver Care, which is doing a lot of the sort of hands-on outreach, just sort of building relationships with people, selling drugs and buying drugs there, sort of living on the street there, also doing a lot of sort of de-escalation work. If you have people out there who can sort of de-escalate problems before they elevate to the level of violence, it'll make it a lot safer. But yeah, ultimately the goal is to, uh, for those sort of low-level drug dealers, people selling stolen goods, The goal is to help them find legal income sources, legal paths to legal work so that they don't need to be selling drugs. And, you know, for other folks, it's, you know, help them get treatment, help them find housing if they're living unsheltered, things like that. Um, The goal is just to, like, do this difficult day in, day out, hands on work that frontline homeless service providers and others have seen work to get people off the street and into housing. Just like really be out there and build the relationships necessary to hopefully help people exit that life. Mm-hmm. Wow. I understand from your reporting that also the Downtown Seattle Association and the Seattle City Council are really looking at that specific area as a place to totally rethink how it could be. All right, so Downtown Seattle's 3rd Avenue could get a big makeover, and it all starts with today's city council meeting. Yeah, Downtown Seattle Association put together their sort of 3rd Avenue vision, and the Seattle City Council last fall voted on a resolution saying basically, like, we endorse this. The idea is, for a few decades now, there hasn't been much on 3rd It's our main transit corridor. It's basically all buses throughout the workday. There wasn't, like, a lot of reason to stay and hang out on 3rd, even long before the pandemic. But then, again, during the pandemic, like, I think 3rd has been hit 
very, very hard by the lack of office worker traffic. A lot of the boarded up blocks are on third. And so to use the sort of urbanist-y term, they want to activate third. They want to have more restaurants there, more sort of like street cafes so you can sit out there and have a reason to hang out and just like, again, get people to spend time on third and make it like a much more pleasant place to be and expand the sidewalks and uh, more trees so it's a pleasant shaded place to walk in the summer, things like that, sort of an attempt to not make it just this like sparse urban canyon that it is right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you have a sense of, I don't know, kind of when such a vision might take place? I mean, is this over the next few years maybe? Or I mean, I think it is something that they're hoping to get going on quickly. Seattle is famously slow at implementing uh, visions. But um, yeah, I, I suspect we'll start to see elements of it in the coming years. Speaking of visions, you put a call out at, at the end of your um, big article about downtown to Crosscut readers and sort of elicited responses like, you know, what do people imagine downtown could be? You know, what do they want to see? And yeah, and you got a bunch of responses. And I, I was curious what kind of stood out to you from what readers came up with. Yeah, I mean, certainly thematically, it turns out if you pose a question about how to make a city better, you're going to get a lot of city-loving urbanist yeah. types uh, <laughs> responding. So there there definitely was a through line in the responses of people who want to see downtown transformed from, you know, a still fairly car-centric 20th century urban core into, I mean, basically they want it to be a European city. Like, they mm. want it to be more pleasant and easier to walk. They want more uh, safe bike lanes to bike around in. They want uh, transit to get them everywhere they want to go. And they want fewer cars. I don't know, based on your reporting, were there any reader ideas that stuck out to you as potentially viable or or sort of jive with some of the ideas that you heard from city leaders? You know, I, I would say one thing that matched both the reporting and the reader ideas. There was a lot of call for more green space, more parks, pea patch gardens, rooftop gardens, that sort of thing. And I, I think, you know, that is a goal that the Downtown Seattle Association shares in their sort of rethinking of downtown. There's a recognition that, you know, if it's going to be a place where people live, there needs to be a lot more open space. It can't just be like buildings as far as the eye can see. There's got to be some open space. Yeah, so I I would say there's a shared vision of a greener downtown of the future. Certainly as city reporter for Crosscut, this is something that you're going to probably keep covering in some capacity. Um, I was curious what you see yourself following as the year goes on, you know, into the future here. Like, what questions do you still have? I will continue to follow whether the future of work has been transform permanently or whether we will see sort of a continued slide back to what life was like pre-pandemic. Um, but but either way, I think I will continue to follow the efforts by city leaders to make downtown into more of a residential neighborhood and the efforts to get more housing built downtown. Yeah, I think so much of the future of downtown is still an unknown, still a big question mark. So yeah, there will be a lot more reporting to come.
Thanks for listening to CrossCut Reports. This episode was reported by Josh Cohen and produced by me, Sarah Bernard. Our story editor and executive producer is Mark Baumgarten. You can subscribe to CrossCut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at CrossCut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the live events we host every month, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find the text version of several different stories we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.